You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Hello and good morning. Welcome to Treeline Church. We're really excited to have you guys here. Uh, This is now week five of our vision series. Um, We've had Pastor Brian be able to speak and um, as well as Pastor Jason Reitz. Did I pronounce that right? Um, So and then today you get the pleasure of hearing um, Ryan and I. Um, Just like Pastor Brian said, we are the next gen pastors. um, So we basically, if you ever don't see us, it's usually because we're with the the children um, right now, which we love. And actually I saw them running up this ramp this morning and I was like, oh, no, I missed them. So your heart um, was kind of like, oh, no. Yeah, but we're happy to be here this morning. And um, and it, last week we had our Easter egg hunt, which was amazing. We got completely crushed, which was in the best way, right? So uh, it was a great, great last Sunday, and we're so happy to have you guys here. So um, if you don't know us, my husband here can introduce us. Yeah, so obviously my name is Ryan. Great to meet you. This is my wife, Jasmine. Um, we just moved from a small town called Olean, New York. We both grew up. She grew up in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, if you know where that is. I grew up in Buffalo, New York. Um, just a bit, bit of context. We moved here. There was a random. I think we're actually on vacation. We were on like our one year anniversary, and we were we were in a pool because like you know that's vacation. It was great. It was sunny Florida. It was awesome. And I was like, I think we should move to Pittsburgh. And she was like, What? Like, I had been praying because I'd felt like God was releasing us to leave mm-hmm. um, where we currently were. We were youth pastors up there. And um, when he said Pittsburgh, I was like, Oh no! I was like, We're moving to Pittsburgh. Because <laughs> she was <laughs> Which like, Which actually isn't a terrible thing. Really, God could call us to like a. But, but you were like, I was thinking of Pittsburgh too, and I was like, well, I guess this is it. You know what I mean? If, so, um, so we contacted our spiritual mentor. A bit of story, so you know why we're here. We contacted our spiritual mentor, saying, Hey, we're looking for full time work in Pittsburgh. Like, let us know what you know. And she said, Actually, one of my good friends just called me like, hours ago, looking for someone, but it's a church plant. And we were like, that's okay, just kidding. We'll keep waiting, that's fine. And of course, that's not how God works, you know what I mean? And so um, we came down, we visited, and we just kind of fell in love with, with the church, with, with the vision. Um, so we joined the team then, and yeah, we've been here since September, so... So we're really happy to be here. And, and, you know, there's some seasons of life where God calls you to a place that's like a wilderness. And there's some seasons of life God calls you to a place and it's really where you feel like you're fulfilled and this is where you're supposed to be. And um, there's seasons of life. And and in the season of life, we, I'm just happy to be next to a city instead of next to farmland everywhere. Well, (laughs) you're farmland too, but not nearly as bad as we were in New York. But so we're happy to be here. But um, we just really want to share today our vision for, um, in general, in ministry, but um, specifically for um, teenagers and kids and um, what we really feel like God is laying on every single one of your guys' hearts. I really do believe that we are here um, on a mandate uh, from God to raise up leaders for the next generation as well as um, the current generation, any generation. God is calling you to be a leader. So um, we really, our heart and Treeline's heart is to see a generation changed for Jesus, right? We say um, our vision statement, life to see, uh, life, tree, oh my gosh, I'm going to mess it up. Pastor Brian's going to be so mad at me. <laughs> to see um, tree, family trees changed by lifelong relationship with Jesus, and, and that's definitely our heart, too. So um, we're going to have some, uh, if you're taking notes, um, I, I love taking notes. If you are, we're going to have some of our, um, our notes up there. Um, but really what we really want to tell you today is that you are called by Christ. That is, that is um, what I think a lot of us know, but it doesn't really hit our hearts in the ways that I think God really wants us to realize, but you are called by Christ, um, and you are here because God wants to see your life used for his purposes. He doesn't just want you to sit in a seat and to come to church and do your, you know, do your 
your part. There's a book called um, Screw Tape Letters, if you're familiar with it. Phenomenal book, so good, um, by C.S. Lewis. And um, one of the things, well, the premise of the book is that there's this, there's like this arch, arch demon, and um, he's got this like apprentice demon that um, has a, a responsibility to, um, has a client, right? Or, or is it called yeah, patient? Yes, so, so they call him a client, and the client basically tries to take this person and like lead him away from Christ. And so it's a fictional book, obviously, but the whole thing is like from a viewpoint of, of more like like the enemy of saying how they speak negatively into our lives. And so it's really interesting. And one of the points I think you're talking about, you want to say it or? Uh, well, yeah. So the point is, is that um, the way that this demon said to the, hey, he said, make this patient feel like they're doing the right thing. Make them, don't stop them from going to church. Let them go to church on a Sunday morning. Let them go and let them do their dues. Let them, you know, pay their tithe and do communion and all that. And um, the whole point being is that, you know, what the enemy wants us to do is make this normal, make this common, but not make this life-changing. Um, Whereas what Christ wants to do is he absolutely wants to make this life-changing. So if you can turn to your Bibles to Mark chapter 3, verses 7 through 15. Or turn to your uh, electronic device. Slide it to it's with our Bible, teenagers, yeah. we're like, get your Bibles out. Listen, <laughs> I know it's 2019, but... You hear all the little iPhone unlock things. And- I know. All right, so starting in verse 7, Jesus said, uh, this scripture says, Jesus went out to the lake with his disciples, and a large crowd followed him. They came from all over Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, from the east of the Jordan River, and even as far as north, even far as north as uh, Tyre and Sidon. Man, these Bible names, right? Uh, The news about his miracles had spread far and wide, and vast numbers of people came to see him. Jesus instructed his disciples to have a boat ready so the crowd would not crush him. He had healed many people that day, so all the sick people eagerly pushed forward to touch him. And whenever those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, the spirits would throw them to the ground in front of him, shrieking, you are the son of God. But Jesus sternly commanded the spirits not to reveal who he was. Um, And then the next, Jesus choosing the 12 disciples. This is where we see that Jesus, you know, goes out and he finally, he is choosing his 12 disciples. Um, Verse 13, afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him, and they came to him. And I'm going to repeat that. Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him, and they came to him. So there's really two points here I want you guys to just um, pay attention to. It says that Jesus called them, and they came. That's just what we're going to kind of keep that in the back of your head as we're speaking. Then he appointed 12 of them and called his apostles. They were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. So truthfully, like when I'm reading this verse and when, when God was laying on our hearts what he wanted us to speak this morning, I could physically see the God's hand pointing at every single one of you and calling you all to do more than just sitting in a seat warming, you know, being a butt warmer. What do we say? Seat warmer, butt warmer? No, your butt warms a seat, so seat warmer. Um, but so, but we call you to be more, you know, I know that God is calling you to be more than that, more than just to sitting in these seats. And when Jesus called the apostles, he, he afterwards, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted. And I know he is doing the same thing to you guys today. He is not, he's not, you know, you're not passive, uh, passively sitting here. And um, to kind of put more in this to a realistic understanding, I remember, and my mom, my lovely mother is here today. When we were, when I was growing up, there was a, um, uh, we used to go bike riding. I don't know if you remember when we used to go bike riding in, in Boston. And uh, I remember I used to, they used to put me, my parents used to put me in this trailer, this little like Cajun trailer that was attached to the bikes. And I remember just loving it. I was like, listen, I don't care where I'm going. Just take me. And I remember like you guys would give me like candy or something like that probably. You're still kind of like that. No, stop it. <laughs> so anyway, so then I remember just being along for the ride, riding in this seat and, and just not even caring about where we were going. I didn't have control about the direction we were going because I was just along for the ride. And I remember, you know, 
there was no like, no, I wasn't making any decisions on the direction. And um, what, what I really want to think about that is that you are not just along for the ride. While that was fun as a kid, you know, what you're here as a Christian is not just along for the ride. Your, your calling as a Christian is not just to watch things go ahead of you and, and not doing anything about it, but to trailblaze, to be leaders. Every single one of you, like, I think um, when we preach to teenagers, a lot of them are like, oh, well, God's not calling me to ministry. He's calling me to be a teacher. Like, you know, I think, you know, this is just not what I'm supposed to do. But God has put a calling on every Christian's life. You know, the Great Commission to, uh, you know, see lives changed by Jesus Christ, by the gospel, by the, the testimony that he's instilled in each and every single one of you. So you're just not along for the ride. Um, because, you know, Scripture tells us in Deuteronomy that we are the head, we are not the tail. We don't follow, we trailblaze, um, and we go with, with the calling and the mandate that Christ has given us. And it's not enough, necessarily, to just have a calling, though. Um, we see that, you know, Jesus called out to them, and he called and named each disciple. But um, that verse isn't finished. Uh, it goes on to say that they came to him, and um, you are chosen by, by saying yes. So. Yeah, and I think, I think that's... Uh, a big portion of our hearts as well is when it comes to leading and training at people and also just being released by God, there needs to be an initial point of you saying, yes, I'm all in. And so I remember there's a verse in, in, in Matthew chapter 22. Um, it says, many are called, is on the screen? We're getting there, one second. Um, <laughs> so it's a verse that says, many are called, few are chosen. And I remember like as a kid, um, we, I went to all these youth conferences, all these like awesome speakers, you know, tons, a huge crowd. And I was like, God, like I want to be chosen. Like, what does that take? Like, how do I, you know, I'm just some like this, this small little you know kid from Buffalo. Like, like how do you get chosen? What does that mean? Do I have to work extra hard, pray extra hard? Do I have to lead my own small group? And so I, I want this whole like works mentality of what do I have to do to get chosen? Um, but I love this this passage. So I'm not actually going to read it, but I'm kind of just going to walk you through the story. Um, so there's a king, and uh, he basically is hosting this wedding, okay? And so um, they're at the point, has anyone, for those who are married, like narrowing down the, the list, the invites, isn't that the most difficult part? <laughs> uh, for At least for us, we were like, oh, I don't like that person that much. Yeah, but they have to come. And they're going to like, someone's going to listen to this. Oh, is that me? <laughs> Probably. But like, I'm talking about you if you think it is. <laughs> um, it was creating this list. It was so difficult. But, but so finally, this, this king sends out all these invites. So all the other rulers locally, all of the influential people, all these people send out the invites to his son's wedding. Um, and none of them come. None of, some of them get back to him saying flat out no. Some actually kill the messengers because they, they just don't want to be involved, period. So, so finally, the king gets so frustrated. And he says, you know, forget it. I want you to go out to the street corners. The person who's... Um, who might be sick, might be hurting, go to literally anyone you see and just invite them. The wedding's already prepared. We already ordered all the food. All the, everything's already in place. The wedding is happening, but we want people to celebrate with us because in Scripture, the celebration was actually more important than the, the physical like, ceremony that we have today. So, you know, he, everyone comes, and at the end, Jesus kind of says, many are called. That's, that's what I mean when I say many are called, few are chosen, is many invites go out. God's calling each and every one of us um, to, to lead, calling to, to be a part of his family. But ultimately, it comes down to, did you say yes? Did you decide to respond? Did you just kind of say, oh, this is cool. Like, I'm going to church. The coffee is really nice. Like, people make awesome food, and that's the nice part. Or small groups, like, oh, I just love pepperoni. It's so good. So is that your focus? I know food, food brings people. But also, like, is your focus just, I just like going to church. I check off my box for the week. I'm, I'm all good. Or is it, okay, I'm going to respond to this now. And so Jesus is kind of saying this of, of many are called, few are chosen. Um, 
And so, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I think what the enemy wants us to do when we have that mindset of, of a workspace mentality is what he wants us to think is that we can make it to heaven just by what we can do, by, by coming to church, by, you know, doing, having our donuts, and we say we stepped in the building. And, uh, but what really, I think that's the stagnancy that the enemy wants us to have is to just have a workspace mentality to think that you can, you can make it if you do it. And that's, that's not, um, you know, that's not the mandate of Christ either. Yeah, exactly. Um, has anyone moved before? Who was like physically moved from, not even like from Pittsburgh, sort of one house to the next, okay? Who likes moving? Does anyone enjoy the process of moving? <laughs> I think for me, gosh, when we, when we you moved. You like moving when you have When we moved here, it was, it was, I remember it was, it was the hottest day of the summer, of course, because that's the way it's always supposed to be. But I think like what I hate more than moving is like helping other people move. <laughs> because it's not your stuff, you know what I mean? And, and this is the, kind of the way it works, is it's like, it's super hot out, it's the middle of July, you move all this like awkward furniture and your knuckles are like Like, why didn't you pack this better? My goodness, you asked me over here. Like, your knuckles are bumping the, the wall, like your, your, your feet, you're all so sweaty, sticky and gross, getting it like pivoting up the stairs, the worst. But so, and ultimately at the end of the day, your friend's like, hey, I appreciate you so much, here's a slice of pizza, thanks. You just wasted your whole Saturday on not even your... So anyways, I'm getting off track. But the point is, is I'm saying, um, if you were to ask your friend, hey, I'm moving, can you help, help me come? Naturally, I think we both are kind of people that are like, oh, I'm busy that Saturday. They're like, I didn't even tell you what day yeah, it is. Thing. I'm definitely busy that Saturday, though, so I can't... You make up these excuses and, um, until that one person's like, yeah, I'll help. And you're like, awesome, come on. Like, I need anybody, please. And so I think that's almost a great illustration of, of kind of what it is with Jesus. Is Jesus has a mission for each and every one of us, and it not necessarily is ever going to be the way we think. It's not going to be as pretty or um, look as awesome as we think it is. Sometimes we think, you know, doing the call of God is like, I'm going to be on stage preaching to thousands. It's going to be great. When in actuality, it's like, hey, let's go to an un- unchurched or an unreached city group um, with no pay, and you're going to have to get other jobs. It's going to be really hard, and that's what's going to be following Jesus. And I think we miss that. We miss the point where it's totally not about us, and it's not sexy, it's not fun, but ultimately, at the end of the day, we see what, what God's trying to accomplish. And we go, I still want to be a part of that. I'll say yes. I'll, I'll help you move. I'll, because I care about you enough, because I identify you as a true friend, I'm going to waste my Saturday, and I'm going to help you move. And Jesus is that way. He's saying, like, Jesus, I, I understand that you not only are my Savior, but, but you're the one that leads me, that calls me, that you didn't just save us, but you also tell us what to do now. And so, God, I, I, I will do what you ask. And I think, like, that's one of my favorite parts about, um, about kind of our, our vision. This is squeaking so bad. <laughs> Part of our vision is just seeing, seeing students and seeing people kind of recognize that, hey, it's more than just something that happens on a Sunday or a Wednesday. It's more than just um, saying that prayer that one time. But the second we start to mobilize students, start to, to train them up, to see them grow from, oh, I can kind of play the guitar to like leading worship or, you know, I'm just reading the Bible to now like bringing kids to Jesus in the lunchroom. Like that's what it's about too. When they leave student ministry, it's not about, oh, like they were here for eight years. It's now they're going out to like their college, their city, and now they're doing the call of Christ. And so it's all about for us sending. It's, it's equipping students to go do what God's called them somewhere else. And I think with us, that's what we should be. And it's so not just about coming to church. And while it's important, it's, it's you know, the call of Christ is who is lost. We have the greatest gift ever told. We, we have the greatest story ever told in our hearts because, you know, we accepted Jesus. And, and how can we keep that to ourselves? You know, if you had um, the cure to cancer, you wouldn't be, oh, I'm keeping this, man. I'm, I'm going to save this for a rainy day just in case. But, but you would, like, share that to anyone possible. you give it away for free. You're like, everyone needs this. And I think we have something even greater than that. That's eternal life. And sometimes we're like, ah, I don't really know how to talk about that, though. Or what if they think I'm weird? Um, 
Yeah, so in order to say that you're chosen or, you know, I think um, there comes a point in everyone's life where they start to realize that defining moment when they say that yes, that, that we saw the disciples did in Mark. And what, what if you know, want to know how you're chosen, it's because you say yes. You're, you're chosen if you say yes. And I think I remember back to the time that the Lord called me to, um, to ministry. I was actually really young. I was 13 years old. I don't know how I, I could, let alone discern my feelings, let alone the word of God. But apparently he really spoke really loud that, that moment. And um, I remember that defining moment of saying yes. And, and when you say yes, there comes, you know, this excavation process. Because when you start to desire God, you less desire the things that are not of him and the things that don't bring glory to him. And I remember that moment, my mother, poor woman, she's going to sit here today and be like, oh, I remember that. But I remember when God did that excavation process in my life, I, I was liking all these boys. I remember I was wearing makeup and my mom was like, you know, I don't makeup and I'd take it off on the bus. Sorry if that's the first time you're hearing that. But um, so, so, you know, I, I was doing all these things that, you know, I, I knew weren't glorifying to God. And I was listening to this you know, music. Um, during this time, there was a big push in the youth ministry area of like, you know, you really needed to clean out what kind of music you were listening to, which was, which is very true because oftentimes, you know, it does direct, you know, how your thoughts, your feelings and things like that. So I remember God just convicting my heart and saying, you know, Jasmine, you really need to cut out these certain things that are not being, you know, not bringing glory to me. And in those moments, that's when I really had to realize how to count the cost of following Jesus. And, and I know it sounds really hum, humdrum, but we're really getting to a point of promise. Um, but, you know, you have to count the cost whenever you do decide, you know, I'm going to make this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to follow Christ. And what I really want to know, spoiler, it's worth it. Like, it's so worth it. And I remember, like, whenever God was convicting my heart about the music I was listening to, I, I tried to barter with him. And I was like, oh, God, but you don't know how much, like, Beyonce got me through this one hard time with his boyfriend that broke up. And, you know, God doesn't barter. He doesn't, he doesn't, you know, say like, oh, oh, I understand Beyonce really just, you know what? That's fine. You can have Beyonce. I'm not saying Beyonce is bad, but that's just an example. (laughs) No, actually, I still like Beyonce. But anyway, so, um, the Lord has healed me from that. Um, so, so what I want you guys to really realize in this moment is, is when you do say yes, you have to count the costs and this will lead us into Luke chapter 14. I know we're having you flip around today. Luke chapter 14 verses 26 through 28. And Jesus is explaining to the disciples the cost of following him. Um, he's explaining to them like how, you know, what it means to be a follower of Christ. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. I love this illustration Jesus shows. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it. Otherwise, you might completely, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. So what I want, in this, when I read this verse, I think the takeaway is that it is totally true that salvation is a free gift. There is no stipulations. You say yes to Jesus, you know, if you accept Christ into your heart, it's a free gift. But it's also very true that it will cost your entire life. I know it sounds scary, but um, it, will, it will cost your entire life. Following Jesus is, is a lifetime change. It's not a Sunday morning sit in a seat and, and pay your tithe and eat, you know, food, as we keep saying. But it's not just that. It's counting the cost. But I think, too, the, the amazing thing is, like, the reason it, it's, it, it costs so much is because it's worth so much. And so, um, does anyone wear watches? Sorry, I'm like a storyteller today. Do you guys like watches? So I remember, who's been to New York City and kind of go into Chinatown? You get like the fake purses and you get like the, so I remember um, 
I like got a fake Rolex once, and so uh, I remember like I like was walking like walking in like I think it was Chinatown, and this guy kind of comes up to me. I'm looking through his little like pamphlet and I've watched him like that one. So he comes up, he like grabs my hand, and he like we like walk down the street a couple of steps as he like passes the watch, and I'm like, so you'd rather sell fake Rolexes than like hold it like a little 13 year old's hand? But so I'm holding his hand, he passes off the watch, and he like I like look at it. He's like, you want it? Like 20 bucks or whatever. So so I get it. Um, and so I start wearing this Rolex around. I remember we actually went to a, a Rolex like de- or like a store in Philly, walking through, and the guy like was like, "Hey, is that a, you're gonna upgrade a real one?" I was like, "How did he know my sleeve was half covering it?" But eventually, like I didn't have the, the watch super long, and all of a sudden it stopped working. And so for me, I was like, "You know what the heck? I just spent twenty dollars on this Rolex. Why did it stop working?" And I think. <laughs> It's because I paid $20 for it. Because it didn't cost anything, it's not worth anything. And I think, you know, whenever we, we look at, say, like, these things we want to get, we always should go more expensive, not because, like, we want to pay more money, because who wants, but it's literally because it's worth more. It's probably better quality. I think with our faith, if your faith hasn't cost you anything, it's probably not worth all that much. If your faith hasn't tried you, hasn't tested you, if you haven't gone through that, that season yet of just really struggling for the Lord, or just struggling, like, just in your personal life, if you haven't gone through that, your faith doesn't mean that it hasn't been grown on the rock yet. It's still kind of shallow. It's still kind of new. But the whole thing we're talking about here is when you're counting the cost, it's worth so much. And that we should expect almost these, these tribulations. We should expect that things will get hard. It will not look the way they want. But ultimately, it's because our faith is worth so much to him. This is our, our eternity that we're talking about. And so I think what Jesus kind of talks about, too, like tithe, um, I know so many people are like, oh, I don't know if I can afford like 10%. Like that's kind of a lot. How about, how about I do like five? I can only afford like 5%. That's like $20 a week. That's fine. But it's funny because whenever Jesus was talking, Jesus doesn't want you know, your, your money. He doesn't want your 10%. He doesn't want your tithe. But Jesus wants your entire life. If you look at the, the New Testament. So like, I think it's funny when we're like, ah, oh, God, like, you know, Game of Thrones comes out on Sunday and <laughs> I'm not supposed to, you know, or uh, there, there's so many things that we all are like, I'm not supposed to do, but ultimately God doesn't just want, you know, oh, well, I'm giving my tithe, so I'm good, or I'm coming to church once a month, so I'm good, but he wants your entire life. He wants all of your relationships, all of your friends, all of your, he wants everything sold out for him. You see, every time Jesus interacts with people in scripture, it's never just like, hey, you want to come on? Cool, take us five bucks. It's literally like, hey, sell your possessions, say goodbye to your family because you're following me now. And I think that he's so, uh, he, emphasize that so much because he knows it's so worth it and I think that's such a hard thing to understand because it's sometimes just words in your in your ears like following Christ is worth it but he asks you to give up everything because he knows the price you'll pay you will get something so innumerable in return that all the things that you thought were worth it in this life don't matter at all like the things that we we stress about we stress about you know um having that perfect job or you know being with someone you know like probably isn't bringing glory to god and and but he asked for those things because he knows i have a gift for you in return that is so much more important than what you're holding on to right now the things that you're unwilling to release in your mind you view it as this is like this is this is you know I can, there's no price to this. I want this. I'm not giving it up. But Jesus says, give it to me and I will give you something so much greater. And I, I think that's, that's, you don't really know what that, what that means until it, you really do it, until you really do give something up. And um, 
I think when we moved here, this is a really, I mean, God has just worked in our heart and our lives in seriously miraculous ways. But when we moved here, we were like, all right, God, we actually, we didn't have um, a place to live. We didn't have jobs. Um, and we were moving here for her job started on Monday. The, the, the previous Monday, we had no jobs, no house, no nothing. And so we were like, oh, we're going to stay in a camper, I guess, because we're have we're a like, week. We're out to stay with our cat and our dog in a tent. So, <laughs> um, and so we were, we, God, oh my gosh, I, I say, it sounds easy, but really we were like shaking, like insane, like God, like what are you going to do? We're going to live on the streets. We're going to be homeless. Like, um, but we were like, we just had this call that we knew we had to come. And um, we actually ended up coming with like less furniture and we didn't have the things we needed. Um, the Monday before I needed to start my job, God provided us a house. He provided us a much bigger than we were expecting and in our budget, which was just insane. Um, and, and then also providing furniture to fill that house. He got a job like that next week. After we moved here. After we moved here. After. And, you know, God provided so much. And in that moment, I knew that God was just trying to remind us that, you know, I know that the sacrifice to come here seemed like a lot, but what I have for you in return is so, so much better. The life change we've seen here as we've come to Treeline has just been like, oh my gosh, I would do it all over again. I would, I would live homeless to do it over again, you know? I, I would go through our worst fear about moving here to see what we've seen here at Treeline and to see in Pittsburgh. And there's a quote yeah. by um, Eric Metaxas. If you guys know who um, Dietrich, Dietrich, I can't pronounce his name, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, he was a German theologian who, uh, in the time of World War II, and he, he was a, someone who really truly gave up his life for the purpose of Christ. He was killed by, um, by Nazi soldiers uh, for spreading the gospel. And um, Eric Metaxas has this biology of him, and he says, um, he said, being Dietrich said, he said that, o- that one cannot give him only a small compartment in our spiritual life, but must give him everything or nothing. The religion of Christ, he said, is not a tidbit after one's bread. On the contrary, it is the bread or it is nothing. People should at least understand and concede this if they call themselves Christian. I think, you know, that that's even saying it, it does cost everything, but it is so worth it. I think Pastor Brian's been speaking a lot about, um, you know, Jesus feeding the 5,000 with the loaves and the fish. And this is one of my favorite stories from a different aspect, too. It's because when we see this, this little boy, he, has, he gives his love to Jesus. Um, I think, too, would it have been any less miraculous if God took one piece of bread and one fish? And so the kid still had his lunchbox. He could go back home and still leftovers. Would it have been any more amazing? We would have still be like, oh, this is, this is great, God. But, but, but what Jesus asked for is he asked for all of it. He said, if I'm going to do this, I need all of it. You need to give me in faith all of your lunch, and then I will feed all these people. And that's the way that God works. Is It's not, hey, God, I'm going to let you into this corner of my life because I'm really struggling financially right now, and so I'm going to pray for, for finances. Or, God, maybe like you know, my marriage isn't so great, so let's just go to church for that. But once everything's good, let's kind of dip out, or we're going to stop going as much, or stop praying as much. But what God's saying is, is I need all of it. Whatever that looks like, I need all of it. Because if you want to see me do the miraculous, if you want to see me do all this, if you want to see me change your city, we're going to need all of it. And so a lot of our hearts, as we we truly want to see Pittsburgh changed by the hands and feet of teenagers, I feel like so many people think, oh, they're the next generation of the church. But, like, that's not true. They are the current generation of the church. There, There are more students now who have more of an impact than ever before. And so... We, we, we strongly believe that we want to be a part of raising up teenagers and raising up a generation to see a city changed and set free. And so, um, you know, as we kind of go in, into this, um, you, you know, as, as we close, I think we need to think about to, to kind of self-evaluate and say, hey, where am I with that? You know, how is my time in the secret place? Am I, am I separating myself? Am I getting alone with Jesus? Am I, 
like just pray, am I really just developing that intimacy with him? Yeah, because the foundation of this is that secret place with Christ. That foundation of realizing, yes, God, this is worth it, is that secret place. The time you spend when it's only you and God, and he's speaking to you, and, and he's having it one-on-one. You know, every great leader that you ever have seen got their foundation in a secret place, in their own personal relationship. And, uh, you know, no one at the end of their life thinks, this, uh, I think we talk about the cost, but no one at the end of their life thinks themselves like, man, I really wish I wouldn't have followed Jesus as much as I did. Like, I, man, I really wish that I would have I would have been more to the partying scene and uh and no one ever ever says that because they know how much this is worth it but it starts with that one-on-one time that you have with jesus and that in that personal prayer uh prayer life that you do have with him and so um let's just kind of bow our heads and i just want us to think about one if you haven't accepted jesus yet um we believe that there's there's something happens internally when we respond physically and so um if you haven't accepted jesus yet and you want to understand that um he loves you so much. That, that, that knowing all that he knows, uh, he took on all of our sin, everything that he already knew we were going to do. He still said, I love them so much that it is worth me dying so that they can receive um, receive me. And so uh, if you've never followed Jesus and want to take this time, we're going to pray together. Also, if you feel like you've kind of been in this season of saying, you know, God, I haven't given you everything. I feel like I'm just kind of along for the ride. Um, I just haven't fully decided to serve maybe, or, or, or you, I feel like you keep telling me to do something, but I've just kind of been putting it off. Um, maybe let this time to kind of be a, a chance for you to say, yes, God, I'm all in. Uh, you, today, I want to be chosen. Today, I want to I want to be called. I want to take my calling and say, yeah, I want to partner with you, Jesus, to see this region changed. Um, so let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Um, you can repeat after me. God, we thank you so much for what you did in the cross. We thank you for your sacrifice. God, we love you so much. God, I want to partner with you to see Pittsburgh changed. So today, I say yes. I say yes to you, Jesus. Search every area of my life. Forgive me for what I've done wrong against you. Begin to change my heart, change my mind, and use me for your kingdom. Amen. So, as we kind of go into this time um, now of just of worship um, kind of begin to reflect um, on, on what God is wanting to do in your life maybe just you can kind of silently pray and say God like what do you want me to do for that next step what does that look like for me what does that look like in our hearts and so and if you see anyone with a, a dream team tag or anything like that please don't hesitate to go to them to ask them for prayer uh, every single one of us uh, will be more than happy to pray with you and and to um uh, build that kind of relationship because and at Treeline we believe in community strong we believe in community and we highly highly um, uh, would love to see you guys get involved into um, into small groups we have our small groups that meet and you can go on our website to see more about that but but life change happens with a group of people with believers that mm. come together and they share uh, you know the, each other's burdens and as scripture tells us that sh- iron sharpens iron so we don't want you to go along this journey alone um, you know God doesn't want that he, he even he had 12 disciples surrounding him uh, so our heart here is that we would get to know you we would have a personal relationship with you we would have you know friendships with you and um, so feel free to come to us and ask for prayer or come to our small groups Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. 
Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.